You can now subscribe and save 20% off with a Strava Craft Coffee subscription. That's right. Sign up for a Strava Craft Coffee subscription. Get that coffee delivered to your door every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks and save 20% off every single time. No, no, no need to worry about putting your credit card number in. No need to worry about running out of coffee. Strava Craft Coffee will sign you up and get that coffee sent straight to your door whenever you want it so you never have to worry about it again. It is a great deal, and you save 20% every single time. If you just want to try it once and see if you like it, you can, of course, use that code DNVR20 to get set up. Uh, but either way, check out Strava Craft Coffee and get in on this subscription deal. It is awesome. Uh, let's jump into the show. To Zach Mace, RK, and the bar. Three for Mr. B in that old trophy case. Number four, we're still waiting for. Bring on the chase. Out on the field, a mile high. Broncos win is our desire. Couple with the break, crew, and a friend bleed orange and blue to the bitter end. Come and join us, DBN, we are, we are DNVR. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast on a Hawaiian shirt Friday. We finally got 100% execution on Hawaiian shirt Friday. Feels pretty good, boys. It does. It feels great, guys, and nothing's going to bring me down today. We got Black Friday, post-Thanksgiving vibes, the beginning of Christmas, finally here, and of course, some Broncos football in just 48 hours. You hope there's Broncos football in 48 hours. That's the thing that could bring everybody down today. That's true. I mean, it not it fitting uh, on a day called Black Friday that we have some positive COVID tests going on in the Broncos headquarters and practice is canceled. Yeah, it's uh, definitely dark. Um, but before we get into all that, I want to give a shout out to our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver. Go to msudenver.edu slash online to check out all they have to offer. Uh, with, uh, li- with us likely headed towards another stay at home. Don't want to jinx anything, but uh, at least that's what it's looking like. Obviously already restaurants close. A lot of people are uh, going to be spending a lot more time at home these days. And what better time than now to further your education uh, with, a, with a degree from MSU Denver online. So again, go to MSU Denver online. MSU Denver slash online to scope out all they have to offer. We're talking 40 plus online and hybrid programs we're talking 750 total classes all sorts of great stuff at msu denver so check them out my boys what's up regardless of the news today i'm happy to be joined by you to enroll with you today into the weekend absolutely and uh we're gonna get to that um but before we do let's uh let's just start off nice and slow how was your guys thanksgiving Oh, it was it was fantastic. Uh, you know, very untraditional, but uh, had a, a pretty normal meal, guys. I, I, I'm happy to report I did have some turkey. It was about the size of my pinky, but, uh, you know, threw some cranberry sauce on there and had some turkey on Thanksgiving. So as a noted turkey hater, I got to give credit where it's due. Um, my dad 
which he always does. I don't know what he changed this year, but he made another smoked turkey this year that slapped. Mm. Uh, I had the leg with some gravy on there, that nice smoked skin on the outside, and it's absolutely the best turkey I've ever had. So big day for turkey uh, in my love. Okay, well, the thing is, Zach, sorry, and I love the fact that you guys did smoked turkey up there, RK, but Zach, are you a seafood guy in any way? Yeah, I like seafood, definitely. Okay, the first Thanksgiving, the Pilgrims, of course, they were not too far from Cape Cod Bay, right? We went over this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they had lobster and clams. So what are you doing? Just go, just go get yourself a lobster tail and boil it up. There, hey, I'm, yeah. I'm all, I'm all for that. And guys, when when I really decided that I was out on turkey, and actually, I got to give credit, the pinky size of turkey I had was actually good. Uh, but but when I decided I you know didn't need any more was when my cat, who eats everything, including the Brussels sprouts we had yesterday, he wouldn't have any turkey, just walked away from it, turned his nose to it. And I said, man, if this guy's not eating it, I shouldn't be eating it. There you go. Well, Zach, uh, you know, you can cook whatever you want on Thanksgiving, uh, especially when you do it solo. Anyways, um, I was thinking, you know, just sitting here with these Hawaiian shirts on makes me already want some Hawaiian rolls uh, with leftovers, uh, which are waiting for me for lunch. So I'm excited for that. All right, let's move on to the real stuff. Uh, some breaking news uh, out of Broncos headquarters today. Zach, uh, why don't you get the people filled in? Well, yesterday, of course, Jeff Driscoll tested positive for COVID-19, went on the COVID-19 list. The Broncos practiced as usual, although it was a shorter day because it was Thanksgiving, this morning at 4 a.m., news comes in that the Broncos had another positive test from a player and two more staff members tested positive for COVID-19. We're still waiting to find out who those people are, but the Broncos canceled practice today, closed their facility, are doing everything remote the rest of the day. Yeah, uh, and it's worrisome, uh, and there's a lot uh, of this stuff going on across the league right now. Of course, Ravens, Steelers, supposed to go on last night. That's not happening. doesn't sound like it's going to happen at all this week, uh, and this is kind of the week that the NFL has been dreading. Uh, obviously, you had the early season stuff, and they were kind of, a lot, they were kind of able to dodge it uh, just barely from having to you know, make any full-scale changes to the schedule. But now we are trending towards a place um, where we might have to see something like that happen. Yeah, and what's interesting, I mean, we're kind of, one of the things that we don't know yet, we want to know is uh, the nature of the positive test for the Broncos. Because, of course, as Vic Fangio noted yesterday during his Zoom press conference, that the Broncos had, you know, they'd been in contact with the league. They checked with, that, with Dr. Alan Sills, the league's, chief medical officer, they'd gone through the contact tracing, the close contacts uh, uh, of Jeff Driscoll and determined that it was that, that they felt it was safe to go ahead and practice. So indeed they did, they did practice uh, yesterday, but where did these tests come from that are causing the cancellation today of practice? Do, are they separate? Is it somebody getting it from the outside or was this a close a close contact that maybe wasn't around Jeff Driscoll for 15 minutes, but was around him for a few minutes? And that's why we're kind of, you know, we, we don't have a lot of information right now. And so we're kind of flying blind on this. But I would have to assume that if they're there, that 
of these three positive tests that at least one of them is tied to Jeff Driscoll. Otherwise, I wonder if they would have just tried to go ahead with practice. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a good point, Mace. And of course, the elephant in the room is what if it was in that quarterback room where, where it happened to spread when Vic Fangio was asked about if he was concerned about the other quarterbacks get it, getting it because of contact with Jeff Driscoll. He said, we did have a few people show up on the contract contact tracing, but it was two, three, four minutes, nothing more than that. So that's encouraging uh, that if, if quarterbacks had close contact with Jeff, that it was only for a couple of minutes, but guys, I mean, I'm not going to speculate and say it, but Mm -hmm. you just cross your fingers that it isn't Drew. Absolutely. I mean, uh, that would be, uh, you know, uh, absolutely brutal um, for Drew, for the Broncos, for the NFL. Uh, you know, the list of starting quarterbacks being out starts to pile up. Now you probably have coaches and GMs looking around at each other saying, hey, you know, this is getting a little ridiculous. So uh, it hurts the product when quarterbacks aren't out there. It's, it's bad all around. Um, so, yeah, you keep your fingers crossed. Uh, you obviously don't want anyone to get it. But uh, as we know that there are a couple who we, who we don't know who they are yet. Um, you, you certainly hope that the quarterback is not one of them. Yeah. Now, the, the thing is here, I wonder what our reaction would be or, and what even the league's reaction would be if we if we weren't talking about this on the heels of what's happened in Baltimore, where it's become a full-scale outbreak that now includes Lamar Jackson, but uh, uh, has several Ravens players and staffs dealing uh, with positive tests right now, which is why that game on schedule for Thursday night didn't happen then. And even playing on Sunday is in jeopardy. I mean, in theory, if you've, if the Broncos, let's say that, let's say one of their other quarterbacks has a positive test, but then the other two don't and are a judge to have not had close contact with Jeff Driscoll. Then in theory, I mean, it would stink, but if you only, if, if you had say either Brett Rippon or Blake Bortles or, or Drew Locke, if one of those quarter, if one of those quarterbacks had a positive test, but the other two didn't, and the other two didn't have close contacts, then in theory, the game would have to go ahead. Even though if it was Drew Locke, then you would be talking about the Broncos playing with other starting quarterback, but the system, it is designed for some buffer here. And that's why you have an expanded practice squad. And that's why you have the flexibility to call guys up. But the, the question just is now, are we are we seeing the start of a cluster of cases that came from one person initially? That's that's what you're on pins and needles about right now. Yeah, and you certainly hope it's not that. Absolutely. So with that in mind, uh, we still have a game to preview. And uh, we, it, with us not no, having any information on any possible cancellation for this game or who might be out. Uh, we'll just go all, go along with our preview and uh, hope that it turns out to be accurate. Uh, it's a very 2020 conversation to have. I know my buddies who uh, record a Buffs podcast had done their full USC game preview yesterday. And then, of course, uh, that game gets taken right away. And there's a whole new game in, all, in a matter of an hour. Um, so, you know, that's just the world that we live in in this day and age. Uh, I will say we uh got an easier opponent so i'll take that yeah looking at three and oh hopefully touch wood uh <laughs> you know san diego state isn't terrible well in, we're, in, we're in theory like... sorry but Go in ahead. theory if that happened and the broncos had to pull out in theory you'd be looking at saint Steelers, which actually i think the entire nation would love to see <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> uh and uh 
I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, sorry about that. Just, oh, I was just going to say the Buffs are trying to colonize like all of California. Uh, you got, <laughs> we got UCLA off the board. We got Stanford. Now we're going into the Mountain West. Grab one of theirs. <laughs> Hopefully we maybe get USC later and we can get that one. Although I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, so there you, you go. If you get a rescheduling with Fresno State or San Jose State, you can call it a day, I think. All right. Sounds good to me. Um <laughs> Anyways, Broncos going uh, to take on the Saints this weekend, we hope. Uh, and it's going to be an interesting game. We've talked a bit about this throughout the week. Um, but let's just start here, Zach. What is the single most important ingredient to a Broncos win against the Saints? Oh, boy. It's going to be running the ball. And running the ball effectively. I mean, you, you don't have to do the 5.5 yards per carry that the Broncos did last week with both Melvin Gordon, <clears throat> excuse me, and Philip Lindsay. But if you can try to get around that four yards per carry, that would be a huge win in my mind. But that also means that you can't be running the ball 15 times. You have to be running the ball 25 times at four yards per carry. Try to get to that 100 yard mark and it's not going to be pretty, but you know what it does? It keeps Drew Locke in the way that he likes to play. It allows him to then do the boots and do what he was successful last week. You want to have a very similar game plan as what you did last week. If you put up 24 points like, like you did, well, that's going to be good enough. And 20 points may be good enough. That's what you need to do in this game because it's going to help your defense. It's going to help Drew Locke. And it's going to help the running game. Guys, if you're averaging under three yards per carry, and the Saints are the best in the league, averaging only 3.3 yards per carry uh, on their defense. If you average under three yards per carry, you're probably going to be running the ball, just looking at recent history, 12 times, 15 times. And what we've seen is that is not a successful formula for Drew Locke. He cannot put this team on his back week in and week out where he is right now. And also the Saints pass defense is pretty darn good. So you're going to have to establish the run and keep up with that in order to have a chance in this game. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that it's about the frequency of the running and, and being just enough, I think, to make the play action a viable threat. And that's that's why I think you run. You, you run to set up play action. You run because you hope that those jabs that maybe you can get in a full body blow at some point to get in the game, one explosive run later on. Because what's interesting, the two teams that averaged four yards per carry against the Saints, it wasn't enough to get the dub. It's So it wasn't simply about just how, how many yards you had in terms of yards per carry. Now, I think you mentioned earlier this week, Zach, both the teams that went over 100 yards, uh, the Saints are one and one in those games. But the other key number is is getting to more than 25 carries because the Saints, they're only two and two when teams run the ball 26 times or more on them. And oh, by the way, in those games, they gave up 34, 27, 37 and 23 points. So it has been key to the to offenses having some level of success against this stingy defense, having just enough of a running attack to make them. To, to make them play honest and to make and to make sure that you can set up the play action game. So you're you're running to set up other things. You're running to make life easier for Drew Locke or whoever the quarterback ends up being if if Drew has a positive COVID-19 test. Yes, and I'm with you guys that running the ball is the is the be the be all end all in this game. But I actually think it's on the other side of the ball. Um I think that 
the key to this game is you have to slow down their rushing attack. Um, you are going to have to run the ball to have success on offense. But to me, the Broncos only win this game in a low-scoring slugfest where neither team is really running the ball that well. comes down to a couple big plays here and there that change this football game. Um, if, if Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara and those guys are out there running the ball at a great clip, they're going to possess the heck out of the ball. You're going to put a ton of pressure on the Broncos' offense. They stopped the run well enough that Drew is going to be in some third and longs. I just know it. And it's going to make this an extremely difficult game for the Broncos to win. So to me, they have to win first and second down against the run on the defensive side of the ball, uh, or else this thing is going to be extremely difficult to win. I, I, I can see the game right now where the Saints are possessing the ball, and even if they're settling for field goals, they're having you know six, seven-minute drives, and then the Broncos, are there's so much pressure on the offense that they're you know now Pat Shermer's running on second and long, trying to run the clock a little more, and now you've got third and long. Uh, and it's just an ugly game. So you got to win uh, against the run on the other side of the ball, in my opinion. And Ryan, I totally agree with you. On that side of the ball, here's the game plan that I do if I'm Vic Fangio. The exact same one that you did last week against Tua. You bring pressure. You bring heat. Try to get Taysom Hill. He's more experienced than Tua. But in terms of a quarterback and getting starts, he's still very young. Pressure, pressure, pressure. That pressure will also help stop the run. Put eight guys in the box, and you know what? Michael Thomas is an incredible receiver, but you, you trust your guys. Bryce Callahan's playing Pro Bowl, all pro this year. Uh, A.J. Boye, he's been beat this year, but, man, it seems like he's there every single time. The Broncos haven't really consistently given up the big play over and over, so uh, they may have one big play that happens, but you know what? I, I totally agree with you, Ryan. Stop the run, load the box. Don't let Taysom Hill and Alvin uh, Kamara beat you on the ground. So that's exactly what I'm doing. And then when they drop back to pass, I'm bringing pressure. Try to get Taysom Hill uncomfortable because Sean Payton admitted to us on Wednesday that Taysom Hill was a little jittery, wasn't fully settled in in the first quarter of that Falcons game. And what happened? It was a very close game after the first quarter. Then he settled in, he got comfortable, and he wasn't making mistakes. He was doing everything efficiently just as Sean Payton asked for, don't let him get comfortable. So do exactly what you did against Tua. Even then, I think uh, there's a, a so there's a couple of soft spots that concern me. And you imagine that to counter that blitz, they're going to try to set these up as the hot reads. And of course, that is covering a running back like Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, covering a tight end like, like Jared Cook, and also... When you've got a saying Bassey in the slot, who is he up against? And if I'm the Saints, even though you know Emmanuel Sanders doesn't particularly care for this, but if I'm the Saints, I'm setting Emmanuel Sanders up in the slot from time to time and saying, you you put up with this, you're going to feast because you know Sanders wants to have a huge day at the Broncos' expense. You know he's primed for this game. Is there any... Anything, is there any rivalry there? You were, Do you think there should be some bad blood on the field maybe between Emmanuel and, and some Broncos? Man, I really wish Chris was on the Broncos for this game. <laughs> I mean, or Cortland. I mean, he got into the fight with Cortland at practice last year. Yeah, unfortunately, neither of those guys would be on the field for the Broncos. Yeah. Kareem Jackson could see him uh, clashing with Emmanuel mm -hmm. in the locker room potentially. Yeah. <laughs> 
And Kareem will get to clash with him big time. He'll get to lay oh. a boom this week. Is there any um, bad blood between Emmanuel Sanders and Jerry Judy for Jerry uh, claiming <laughs> that Emmanuel, uh, that he was teaching Emmanuel a few things in the offseason? I doubt it. <laughs> I could see you Emmanuel never... being a little, uh, mm. a little upset by that quote. Or, or maybe he's like, oh, this guy's wearing number 10 and people might remember him more than they remember me. I would, I would bet on it. Yeah. I would take those odds. Um, although Emmanuel does, does have a Super Bowl ring, which is going to be uh, <laughs> tough for Judy to match up with. All right. Any other keys to this game uh, that worry you um, in terms of the Saints? Um, obviously, we know they stopped, they stopped the run really well, and we expect them to run the ball really well. Uh, any other things that you think the Broncos really need to be aware of when they head into this game? Well, really quick right now, guys, news coming in from Mike Kliss that it is Deontay Spencer who is going on the COVID list. Um, so you're not going to have your returner out there. That puts uh, that puts more pressure on young guys like Ty- Tyree Cleveland in the return game and uh, KJ Hamler as well. But it's a relief that it's not in the quarterback room. Yeah, absolutely. Uh- Although you want to know who the staffers were as well. I mean, again, is that a, is that a contact with uh, Deontay or with uh, Jeff Driscoll or not? The other thing that is interesting is ordinarily we would know where these guys sit in the locker room, and we don't because, we're of course, we're not in the locker room right now. And so close, you know, close contacts can could be just from hanging out in the locker room and talking for three or four minutes, even though, you know, they've got the dividers. We see occasionally in the video that comes out that, uh, Sometimes the social distancing goes a little bit astray when a guy posts on Instagram or a TikTok or something like that. So, you know, that's so uh, that that's a that's a key thing here. So you you do wonder if he got it from Jeff Driscoll or not, but still that's it's it's a bullet it's a bullet dodged and you can figure your way a, a, around uh, not having Deontay Spencer. You'll probably have Tyree Cleveland up on Sunday. Uh, on kickoff returns and uh, punt returns. You can uh, send Bryce Callahan back there to be a punt catcher. There you go. Uh, if you had Mace to be the first one of us to bring up TikTok on today's show, you just cashed a big ticket. <laughs> uh, so congratulations to you. Um, another important discussion we have here, I think producer Kale has this. Broncos tweeted out a graphic yesterday, uh, and I need to know your guys' answers for this very important debate. Here we go. Uh, which Thanksgiving table are you sitting at? Is it table one? I'll read this for the podcast listeners. Table one, Bradley Chubb, Kareem Jackson, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy. Table two, Noah Fant, Brandon McManus, Garrett Bowles, Von Miller. Table three, Philip Lindsay, Justin Simmons, Bryce Callahan, Cortland Sutton. Or table four, Drew Locke, Dalton Reisner, Melvin Gordon, Alexander Johnson. Mm, that's that's a good one. I've uh man, I've got to go with table two. I think it's okay. gonna be the I think it's gonna be the goofiest one, and that and that's what it's about. I, I, I'm table three all the way. Wow, all three of us are different. I love it. Um, I, I, I think ta- I think table th- table two and table three I think are gonna have the most interesting discussions, and I and I mean that like not necessarily funny, but just uh, but just kind of insightful. But I, I love the mix of guys at table three with Phil and Justin and Cortland and Bryce Callahan. I think, you know, Bryce is going to be kind of the the quiet one there, but uh, you know, I can I can see I can see some interesting banter developing between Phil and Cortland and Justin. 
Zach, why do you go table two? Uh, man, I mean, Brandon McManus, Von Miller, and Garrett Bowles, those, those are some goofy guys, and Noah, Noah Fant's going to have some fun too. So I just think it's going to be a blast. Yeah, those guys, there might be like a food fight at that table. <laughs> I'm going table four because I feel like this is the party table, and that's what, I, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, so Drew and Dalton, you, like, you know those guys can have a good time. Uh, Melvin Gordon, for better or for worse, we know he knows how to have a good time. And uh, Alexander Johnson is a goofball himself. So I feel like this table is going to get a little rowdy for Thanksgiving, uh, which is uh, right up my alley. Well, what's funny is I my number two would actually be table one, something mm. that, that none of us chose. Uh, man, KJ Hamler and, and Jerry Judy, they, their chemistry right now is pretty good. And speaking of goofballs, KJ Hamler is a fun guy. Yes, that I mean, there are no bad tables yeah. here for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kareem Jackson is a goofball himself. He doesn't usually show it to the media, uh, but when you see videos of him behind the scenes, you know that he's a funny guy. So hopefully you'd get to see uh, the the real uh, uh, Kareem Jackson. And then you, you have double KJ there, KJ and Kareem Jackson. Uh, Bradley Chubb is also great to hang out with. And Jerry Judy is another one who doesn't really show his personality much to the media. But if you ever see, you know, I'll be the second one to bring up TikToks or Instagrams. Uh, he, he looks like he's a funny dude. So great tables across the board uh, for sure. Yeah, they, they, would, they would. Oh, they, they would all make great TikToks, guys. I just I had to say it. I couldn't be the only one to not say go. TikTok oh, in this man. Oh. Three for three. Mace, do you have a TikTok account? I actually, I, I haven't, I had do, but I haven't done anything on it until yesterday. I, posted a video of one of my puppies in slow motion to the sound effect from the six million dollar man slash the bionic woman uh because but my puppy is jumping from off the floor onto an ottoman and just it gets gets some serious air underneath and it just i i when i shot video of it in, of of ruby in slow motion i'm like i feel like i'm seeing uh you know steve austin from back in the day so I put that sound effect on there. And that is my only TikTok so far. Zach, do you have any TikToks? I don't have any TikToks wow, yet. Probably you're the only one of us who hasn't posted one. Oh, man. Did you, did you get a Thanksgiving one? I didn't. I should have TikToked my video of the canned cranberries in slow motion. Um, I don't know if you saw that, but uh, 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 Allie recorded a slow-mo video of me pounding the bottom of the, of the can to get the cranberries out. And then you get to see the slow motion jiggle of the cranberries oh, when they hit the wow. crystal dish. Oh, wow. Man, a lot of, I didn't know Thanksgiving was for slow-mo videos. Yes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. A, a huge well, trend kind of, right now. Come on, Zach. You're, you're kind of moving in slow motion as well on Thanksgiving after you've had all that food and after dinner, all you just want to do is collapse on the sofa. So I th I, slow motion, I think there isn't a more appropriate day for it than Thanksgiving. That's very true. I have to go all the way back here to early on in the comment section. Who This one came in from Rick, who said, I made RK's mac and cheese <laughs> delicious. I love to hear it because I was actually worried. No one reached out to me last night and said, like, hey, I made it and it was great. Uh, I was pretty self-conscious about it. I know my family loved it, but I was thinking, like, man, maybe my family's just weird and this doesn't uh, translate to other Thanksgivings. But at least we got one who liked it. Man, I, I trust you, Ryan. But also, I mean, it's mac and cheese. It's got to be great, right? Yeah, I mean, it, a combination of pasta and cheese is tough to screw up. But I will say, 
when I go to like restaurants, I usually don't like their mac and cheese. Like it's never the cheese is never cheesy enough for me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Some yeah. really like boring mac and cheeses out there. I'm not gonna name names. Um but you know, Chick-fil-A or you know, <laughs> a couple you other did. ones. I, oh, dang it. Uh, they just I need more I need more cheese flavor, not just more cheese. You gotta work hard to get that actual flavor in there. Now let me ask you something, since you're a mac and cheese connoisseur. At what age did you move past Kraft macaroni and cheese being the creme de la creme? I was uh, pretty young when that happened. Okay. Um, because I discovered Annie's mac and cheese, which is better than Kraft mac and cheese. Yeah, because my daughter is eight, and we've tried Annie's, and we've done the other things. She is fixated on Kraft macaroni and cheese. We actually tried this one that was actually kind of Cheetos flavor, and I really <laughs> liked it, but she didn't. I mean, she she has to only have this one thing. So you go to she goes to a restaurant and she won't order mac and cheese even if it's on the menu, even though they love she loves it here because she will only have the craft. It's insane. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I got off the craft when I discovered Stouffer's. <laughs> you, you throw it in the oh. oven for an hour, get the sides nice and crispy. Mm, oh, so good. The point of craft though, is that it's quick. I mean, you've yeah. got the box and you can have, if you, if you boil it up on the stove top, you've got it ready in about 15 or 20 minutes, but you also now have these single the instant packs. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're eating in, in three or four minutes. And those actually are the winner at the house. So we'll, we'll go to Costco and just buy like 40 <laughs> of them and, and stick them in the pantry and in the garage and wherever. And then she'll just inhale them over time because that's the other reason why we get those is, she has informed us that while she enjoys macaroni and cheese the first time, she does not like it redone the second time. She doesn't like reheated, which, again, I don't understand because when you reheat it, you put a little extra cheese on there and you make it gooier. Yep. I, I don't get my kids sometimes. <laughs> I actually upgraded my recipe yesterday, and when I, I used to do canned green chilies and jalapenos that I add to it, but I went fresh green chilies and jalapenos in there, and that was uh, that was, it took it up another level. Oh man! Nice. I mean, we're just after 10 a.m. and I'm dying for some delicious food right now. I am hungry. Me too. All right, well, that's gonna wrap up things on the live side. But before we go, want to let you guys know to head over to the DNVR Locker. We have an insane sale going on right now. Our Black Friday sale is live, and I mean, you you're getting shirts for up to 80 percent off. Um, you have if you haven't become a member, there's an insane membership deal where you buy a membership for $59.99 and then you get a $60 gift card to the store. Um, it's There's just tons of insane deals over there. So head over to nvrlocker.com, see all that we have to offer uh, and, stay, and go quick because shirts are quite literally flying off the shelves uh, as we speak. So check it out. And of course, hit us with a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. We always appreciate that. But for right now, we're going to head over to the podcast side of things. Catch us there anywhere you listen to podcasts. And some Thanksgiving leftovers tonight. The only thing that could make your meal better is an addition of a Breckenridge Brewery. A little Breck Brew Friday here, even though it kind of felt like yesterday was Friday and there's a college football on today. It's, it can be confusing, but it is a Breck Brew Friday. So head on down to your local liquor store or wherever you get your beers and get you some Breck Brews. And if you don't find them there, you can, of course, always use the Breck Brew locator on their website. That'll show you what beers you can get where. If you want some Strawberry Sky, you want their new hop, uh, what is it called? Juice Drop IPA. Uh, they're all over the place. So make sure you check out 
the Breck Brew locator. Find out where you can get some Breck Brews and enjoy you a Breck Brew Friday tonight. Guys, I got something to save you some money, and that's checking out Chevalier Mortgage. Our friends, Mike and Virginia Chevalier, are not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, go Rams, but they have supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. Give Virginia a call directly at 303-257-6578 or visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. And guys, if you want to save some money and refinance, well, rates are as good as you think. Give Virginia a call to check out those rates. They're, they are there to make it easy for people to refinance and they could save you hundreds a month and thousands of dollars in interest over the life of the loan. And they can help people find out if they can eliminate or reduce their current mortgage insurance, which saves even more money every single month. And since refinancing isn't for everyone, Mike of Virginia will run a quick analysis and honestly let you know whether refinancing might be right for you. They do that plus so much more. So give them a visit at dnvrmortgage.com and you'll be entered to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006, Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. All right, boys. Well, we saved this for the podcast side of things. So you had to ride with us uh, on iTunes or wherever you – or uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts uh, to find out our picks for the week in the AFC West, which is an age-old tradition on this podcast. So, uh, Zach, why don't you take us through the slate here? All right, let's go down to Georgia, where the Raiders are taking on the Falcons in Atlanta. Raiders, three-point favorites, guys. This one is obvious to me. Who are you taking? Yeah, I'm heavy, heavy in on the Raiders here. Um, Falcons. Wow, I didn't def- think you'd say that. I uh, you know. Uh, I, I'm like really envious of the Raiders as a football team. Um, oh and my I just, gosh! Just stop I, talking. I know. I just can't help. <laughs> I can't help. Like as a fan of football, watching that team is just—it's good football. Like you just watch when you watch the Raiders play, you just say like that's good football, which is not something I don't know if I've ever said that about the Raiders in my life. <laughs> Usually, it's like that's undisciplined, garbage, dirty football. Uh, yeah. and they do still have some discipline issues on there. Um, but other than that, like you just watch that team and you're like, man, they just, they're so balanced. It's really good football. So sorry, but that's how I feel. It's entertaining football, but it's often not good defensive football. And it's an, this is an interesting game because the Falcons are good enough on the offensive side to put up a big number here. Guys, I'm, I'm taking the Falcons in this one. Now I think the Raiders might eke out a one point win, but this is, this is going to be a fun game to watch. This looks like it's got 35-34 written all over it. Yeah, I will say I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders blow it. But <laughs> Right, right. You can always throw that caveat in there when it comes to the Raiders. But, Ryan, I'm right there with you, man. I, I think that the Raiders will win this game, win it easily. Man, I was – the Falcons were selling me, you know, what they did weeks leading up to the Broncos game, what they did in the Broncos game. But then I know they were playing the Saints, and the Saints are really, really good. But that was just pathetic last week. So give me the Raiders to easily cover that spread as well. All right, guys, let's go up north 
to Buffalo. Cold Buffalo where the Chargers are used to the warm. Heading into the cold Buffalo Bills. Bills five-point favorites. Who you got? So I like the Bills to win this football game, but not by that many points. Uh, I think this is a field goal game. Uh, I think you'll see a classic Charger-like effort where they put up a good fight um, and aren't able to finish it off in the end. So I think uh, it's like a three-point win for the Bills, um, and they, you know, the Chargers are able to cover that spread. But look who the Bills have lost to when they, uh, the, the games they haven't played well. I mean, they've got – a collection of three defeats that is as good as you're going to find losing to the Titans, losing to the chiefs and the Cardinals. Of course, they're a hail Mary away from sitting, from sitting there at eight and two with wins over the Seahawks and Cardinals in the two games leading up to the bye. If you're concerned about anything, it's uh, the bye kind of maybe throwing them off a little bit. And also uh, their defense is giving up some big numbers right now, but, I don't think it'll be enough. The Chargers, just because they beat the Jets, doesn't mean they've suddenly figured out a way to win. I think I think Buffalo puts up 30-plus in this game, wins somewhere along the lines of 38-27. Okay, so wow, you, you got him covering the spread. I love this. You guys disagreeing on the first two games, and unfortunately yeah. I'm going to have to side with Ryan again on this one. I guess fortunately for Ryan, I'm going to side with him. Unfortunately no, fortunately for, for me because then you guys are going to be wrong. <laughs> It's true. There, there you go. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here. I shouldn't do this. Oh, it's stupid. Oh. I'm going to say the Chargers win straight All up. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't, don't have much to back me up on that other than Justin Herbert, but I definitely like the Chargers to cover. All right, guys, going down back south where the Chiefs head into Tampa Bay. Chiefs, three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against Tom Brady and the Bucks. Mace. Who do you like? Do you think your Bucks will cover? Oh, man. A little buck and cover? <laughs> All right. I, I'm picking this one straight from my heart because wow. uh, my, my brain says don't pick the Bucks. My heart says do it. This, this is like RK with the buffs. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm picking Tampa Bay. What the hell? <laughs> Well, they can lose by a field goal and you still win, Mace. So there you oh, go. Oh man, I, I should I shouldn't. But th- this is in the family pick'em that I do with my with my parents back in Florida, week after week, for, and for many many years, I talk myself into picking the Bucks. <laughs> Fair enough. I respect uh, I respect your loyalty, um, and I uh, disagree with it. Um, I. <laughs> I'll go with the Chiefs. Uh, I think this actually ends up being a two-score game. Yeah, I uh, signed with Ryan one more time here. So, Mace, you may you may ride or die with your picks this week. I'm going Chiefs as well. Man, you guys know I want to believe in the Bucks, And, and I believe in the Bucs. Uh, I think they could get it rolling when the playoffs come around. But the Chiefs are the Chiefs right now, and the Bucks are still trying to figure everything out. So, give me the Chiefs with the three-and-a-half easy. and. Final oh, no. one, guys. Before we move on, I guess there, I, I was thinking of something here. When we were talking about the Bucks and Tom Brady in the offseason, didn't I say that they may have a season where they go like 10-6 and six and they lose in the divisional round, and people may think of it as a failure, but it would actually be the best season they'd had in like 15 years? So yeah. by Buck standards, it's a success. By the standards everybody else has, it's going to be a failure. That's right. where this season is headed for Tampa Bay. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I still, they may make a run in the playoffs, Mace. Don't be too down on them. And guys will go far Tom west. Tom Brady, oh, for his last 19 deep balls. Yeah, it's, it's like one yeah. of the worst runs by a quarterback in years. Yeah. Pretty crazy. And if, yeah, he, if he hits the wall and becomes like end of career Peyton Manning over the next few games, that's, that's the most Buccaneer thing ever. <laughs> Without getting the, the Super Bowl that Peyton got either. Yeah. Oh, man. And speaking of we can't uh, have quarterbacks nice in Tampa. <laughs> speaking of quarterbacks that are struggling with the deep ball, let's talk about Drew Locke and the Broncos hosting the New Orleans Saints. Saints, six point favorites on the road. The biggest spread this week in the AFC West. Guys, what do you like to go down in the Mile High City on Sunday? Oh, oh, sorry, Mace. I thought no, you, were, you, go ahead. you were trying to I was make pointing, a point. I was pointing to you. Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you that I think that's too many points. Uh, I, I see this as a low-scoring, just grind it out. Someone makes a big play late in the game, uh, and that's enough to win. I think this game ends on a last-second field goal, um, and I just – don't know who it's going to be. So I like the Broncos to cover. I don't know which way I want to go uh, as for my score prediction, but since I have to go one way or the other, I will go um, 16-13 Broncos. Hey, wow. And Broncos beat two playoff teams in back-to-back weeks, including a potential number one seed in the Saints. Man, that would be something else. Mace, did you do your research? I've got some research right here. You knew I would. Um, because pro football reference is very handy on these things. Since 1979, guys, the Broncos are 4-7 and seven against the spread when they are a home underdog of six points or more. And that, by the way, includes a, a strike game back in 1987 against the then Los Angeles Raiders. So you can kind of toss that out. And I guess what's really concerning here, guys, is that is that in the last decade since 2010 or, or, or the last decade plus since 09, when the Broncos started being a significant underdog more often, this would, they have been a six point or greater underdog. Now nine times, this is going to be time number 10 and against the spread, they are two and seven in those games. I'm guessing I, I'm betting it becomes two and eight. I think the Broncos lose this game. Somewhere around 23 to 13. Mm. All right. Still an under. Still an under. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it would be. And, guys, I – maybe this is bad news. But, once again, I'm siding with Ryan here. And I agree with both of you with this. I do think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I like the Broncos to cover – I just can't convince myself that they're going to be an eight and two team with the way the saints are playing on defense is so freaking scary. Not only are they giving up 34 rushing yards per game in the past three weeks, but they're having, they're only giving up eight points per game on average the past three weeks. And they're turning the ball over. They have three takeaways per game in the last three games. This is a great defense that is playing on fire so I think it's a low scoring game because I also think Vic Fangio and the Broncos defense brings their a game and it's a very similar type of game as of last week uh, but it's just flipped a little bit and I think it's going to be Saints 20 Broncos 16 so the Broncos cover the spread keep it respectable 
And, guys, I think after this game, we're just talking about how, wow, that Saints defense is incredibly good. But you know what? The Broncos defense came to play as well. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not necessarily confident in the Broncos winning. But uh, since they're the home team, and uh, I do really believe in Vic Fangio's ability to stop a one-dimensional offense, uh, which is, I think, what these Saints are without Drew Brees out there. Um, I think that they're able to get the to, to keep it close. Uh, and I'll just say, you know, at the end, Brandon McManus hits a game winner. That would All make right. that would make one week from from Sunday extremely fun when the Broncos go into Kansas City to try to be six and six. Although there are the few game things winning, that can make that fun. <laughs> Did you just give us your fifty-eight yard field goal that Brandon McManus has a walk-off field goal to beat the sure, Saints? Sure, yeah. Okay, there that you go. That could be my fifty-eight yard field goal, and uh, I know we're gonna get to that in the comment section. And so if not uh, for some reason this week, then uh, I'll make sure to give you guys a chance to give yours at the end here. Uh, but let's start with the comments. First one comes in from a great name here, Shat Permer. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Here are some things I'm thankful for this year. Melvin Gordon. Mm, Melvin. Am I missing something, Mace? Mm. Is there a, a reference here that I should know? Okay. Uh, uh, I mean, if he, maybe he was trying to get at the kind of the – the owl, the uh, the Melvin and the squirrels thing from the Simpsons parody of Alvin and the Chipmunks, where somebody yells Melvin, but doesn't doesn't really. <laughs> I don't get the mm, so I don't know. I'm a little lost here. Okay, sounds good. Two, a nice warm booth on Sundays. Uh, I ain't coming down. Oh, I get it. we're at, we're a Pat Shermer par- uh, parody account here. Mm. Um, three, the sideline still undefeated. It's a Tom McMahon show. Oh, okay. Um, oh, right. Uh, sideline best defender and whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, for Mr. Elway, not having the cojones to fire me. Are you kidding me? Offensive coordinators are the guys who've been fired. Very true. Yeah, I wouldn't feel too comfortable there, Shat. Um, five, I love turkey, dry, no stuffing, no cranberry sauce. Oh my the fitting God, of the offense just... that we sometimes see. Oh, yeah. And six, the Shermer sweep, mostly for Melvin. <laughs> Sounds good. Happy holidays. P.S. Y'all got any trick plays you want to share? I have no idea how I'm going to scheme big plays against the Saints. Oh, I have an entire book of trick plays that I wrote when I was a kid. Uh, I used to just love sitting there and just drawing up trick plays. Um, and I, I actually got my football coach to to install a couple of them at one point. Wow. And I bet the Broncos offense actually has the type of players to run those uh, pretty perfectly, right? Eh, I don't know. Oh, wow. Wow. KJ Hamler doesn't fit in with these plays. I, I got to question the plays. I don't know who, well, they do have the players. I don't, what um, skill position player throws the ball the best though? That's what I'm worried about. Cause they used to have, they've had a manual throw one in the past. I believe they had Cortland throw one. In the past, yeah, he threw one to Tim Patrick at one point. Uh, yeah. I don't know who the go-to uh, skill position thrower is. Andrew Beck. Oh, okay. wow. That would catch everyone off guard. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he officially uh, yeah. already has one completion in the NFL. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of a forward lateral, but, hey, a completion is a completion. I agree. <laughs> Man, we, uh, we, we really enjoy that you roll with us, Shaq. Yes. <laughs> yes, thank you. From Dan Burke, hey, guys, I know most of the focus is on Bulls and Simmons this offseason. 
But what would y'all do about some of these lesser talked about unrestricted free agents? Are y'all signing any to multi-year deals? Elijah Wilkinson, decent depth. Is he going to be worth uh, what you have to pay for him? Uh, the thing is, I mean, he provides depth, but aren't you hoping that Natani Muti at least provides that depth next year? Better. Yeah, but guys, just the way I view this is the Broncos are going to sign him up because of just where they viewed him coming into this season. Now, you really hope it's not uh, the contract that, that – uh, oh, who, who Billy Turner got, where, where oh. he, he went to Green Bay for $7 million a year. I mean, you're, you're not touching that, but maybe if it's a $3 million deal per year, then they sign him up. Damar Dotson, does he have another year in the bag? Not a multi-year deal, but I'd really strongly consider signing him to a one-year deal uh, if, he, if he's healthy and he's willing to give it a go because we're not talking about the right tackle position right now, and, and that's, that's a healthy thing. And, and you know what? You need the backstop behind Jawan James. Yeah. Yeah, you sign him to a one-year deal. Jeremiah Atachu. Um, at the right price, if you lose him, though, the way Malik Reed has come on, uh, you're not worried about it. I'd For say sure. this is predicated on what you do with Von Miller, believe it or not, because if um, if you bring back Von Miller and you have Chubb and you have Malik Reed, I don't see the, the there's not the room for a talk shoe. He'll have more opportunities somewhere else. But if you do let Von Miller go, then you want to have one backup who's got some experience and you know can be reliable. So if you let go of Von Miller, you definitely bring a talk shoe back. Agreed. Uh, Demarcus Walker. Yeah, I mean, if he's willing to be, you know, the fifth guy or something. But the way he's playing this year, he's playing the best ball of his career. Yeah, rotation, yep. rotational guy, situational pass rusher. Uh, you know, if you can get him on a, if you can get him on a two-year, say, five million dollar deal, do it. And the final one here, Devontae Bosby. Everyone wants more Bos. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all signing him. I just don't know <laughs> if the Broncos are. I mean, I don't think any of us would have let him go multiple times this year. I'm ride or Amen. die with big boss. That's an easy call for me. It's just not an easy call for them. <laughs> I agree. Completely agree. Next one from World to Suck. Three unsung heroes of the Dolphins game. One, Lloyd Cushenberry was a beast. He held his ground physically, seemed to call the right protections, and the line as a whole wasn't allowing free runners. Big step in the right direction for the rookie. Wait, young players can get better? I had yeah. I had no clue. I thought if a player had a bad game at any point in their career, it's time to move on. And guys, I'll, when Vic Fangio talks about Lloyd Cushenberry, one thing he's said since day one pretty much is Lloyd is a guy that just continues to get better every single day. And that's, that's a credit to him. He, he's a guy that, that is very smart. And even though he struggled, Vic Fangio has really never been hard on him. I think that shows just what they think of him. Yeah. And I know the PFF rankings for Cushenberry this past, week weren't uh weren't pleasant my own personal thoughts on watching the film was that that was his best game by far it was his most most stable game he 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 looked he looked settled something he hasn't always been to this point he he looks settled and comfortable out there and look I, I I still believe in the guy I think he'll be the center next year and and every, yeah, you're right. Every time, every time it comes up, and it came up multiple times because I asked Vic about Lloyd a few days ago, and then somebody in New Orleans asked about him because, of course, he's an LSU guy, and he gave the same, very similar answers both times about how he's getting yeah. better every day. 
look, Lloyd has not been good this year. Like, it's fair to say that. Um, but you have to give these guys a chance to develop. You just have to. Uh, and one thing I'll say about last week, and this is a, you know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't have to call this a step in the right direction, but there was zero unmarked blitzers coming up the middle of, of the, of the offense last week. That's a step in the right direction. It's really important also for Drew Locke because he can't handle that. Most quarterbacks can't. It's like a list of Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. Like those are the guys who are able to escape a, you know, a dead center blitz coming unmarked. Um, so it's a small step in the right direction, but that's a step in the right direction nonetheless. You know that the uh, Dolphins wanted to get those, some of those A-gap blitzes through. Yeah, and another thing with Lloyd, I think Bronco fans, they were kind of spoiled by the way Matt Paradis came in when he started his second year in the league, but his first on the active roster and looked really good. But Matt Paradis had Pey- Peyton Manning standing right behind him. Lloyd's got yeah. Drew Locke, who started the season on NFL start number six. So you're asking a rookie center to work with a quarterback who was still in his first 16 starts. Of course, there were going, going to be issues, but uh, Cushionberry has definitely settled down. I think the Broncos have a keeper. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Next one, he says, unsung hero, to Nick Vanette. He's become a punching bag in Broncos country because he's an easy target. But he had a really good game Sunday. Some of the best, some of the offense's best looks came out of 12 personnel with Fant and Vanette on the field together. I totally agree with you. He made a, a couple of nice catches there. Uh, and yeah, that, that, that uh, 12 personnel looked good. Finally yep, using him as, good, as they should use him. Okay, occasional pass catcher, uh, frequent blocker. That, isn't that what you signed him for in the first place? Yes, sign me up for as much 12 personnel as Pat Shermer can stomach this week. <laughs> yes, I agree. And you're going to have to have it with this Saints front for sure. Yep. And three, Drew Locke's pocket passing. Drew made some really good plays, making clean dropbacks, reading the defense, going through progressions, and throwing the ball on a dime with anticipation. Some of his best pocket passes came this Sunday. I hope to see more of that going forward. Another yes. case where we are shocked that young players can develop. <laughs> was drew really an unsung hero though no no there's no such thing as an, a quarterback being an unsung hero. i know because I, <laughs> I i get i get what you're i get what you're saying world of suck but i feel like he's we've been singing the song of drew lock quite a bit the last few days and so is the media in this town i mean yeah that song plays on every show everywhere <laughs> yeah it um, would be impossible for drew lock to be unsung <laughs> but he's saying his pocket passing was right, unsung. Yeah, right which right. is maybe yeah. fair, but you know, not yeah. not a lot of people have gotten into the details of what Drew Locke, uh, I guess, of his pocket passing. Although I feel like maybe that has happened too. I don't know. Uh, before we move on, shout out to WGT Golf and the DNVR Four Country Club. Go in to the DNVRGolf.com, download the app from there. And then join the DNVR4 Country Club. You can go to the Country Club section and search for Country Clubs. Once you join DNVR4, you'll be ready for our weekend tournaments. All you got to do is go into club tournaments. You should get an email when it goes live. If not, just check at some point during the weekend. Join the – go to the club tournaments phase and click on this week's Candy Yam Classic at Marion. Should be a blast. These are always fun. It's a, it's a slim time commitment, and every time you play, you're entered – to win a prize and every time you play you get another entry into our grand prize drawing so make sure you check out wg uh, wgt via dnvrgolf.com 
Guys, we didn't talk about one thing about our Thanksgiving food. What was your dessert? What's your go-to Thanksgiving dessert? Oh, man. I absolutely love pecan pie. Um, so I had two slices of that. And then, of course, I had to have two slices of Allie's famous key lime pie, uh, in which I make the crust. I've, I've made a, uh, a commitment that I'm not going to give Allie all the credit for the pie since I make the crust. Uh, so I'm taking uh, – I'll take – 30% credit for how good it was. Oh, man, that sounds delicious. Mace, what did you have? Uh, two, pie, two pies, pumpkin and apple, both topped with Coo Whip, if we're going to say it the way that uh, Stewie does on Family Guy. Uh, I, I'm not a whipped cream guy. I'm all about the Coo Whip. Yeah, that, uh, that sounds good. My problem with Thanksgiving pies, except, except for apple pie, which I don't really have on Thanksgiving, but – the, the problem with those pies is they're not great with ice cream. They're not a classic ice cream one where you just throw a scoop of ice cream. And I always like my pies. great with ice cream. You, you can do that? Okay. Maybe I need to do that next time. But that's my only problem with, uh, with pumpkin pie is it just doesn't really go well just in heaps of ice cream. So I did, I did what Mace did except without the coo whip. I did uh, just normal whipped cream and just covered it. So, of course, you can't see the pie. Uh, but regardless of what you are eating, Green Mountain Dental is there for you to help those sugars go away. Green Mountain Dental, of course, is our family dentistry over in Lakewood. And guys, they are fantastic. They treat you like family. They've been partners with us for a long time. Our sales director, Lindsay, had her wisdom teeth removed at Green Mountain Dental, and they followed up with her personally a couple days later just to make sure that she was doing okay. So make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental, and if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, they'll hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush, which definitely helps regardless of if you're eating ice cream, Coo Whip, or pecan, <laughs> or pumpkin pie over Thanksgiving. So make sure to check them out. Schedule that cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush over at Green Mountain Dental. All right, next one here comes in from the other Ryan. My boys, Ralph Waldo Emerson quote. I awoke this morning with devout thanksgiving for my friends, the old and the new. On this Thanksgiving, I just wanted to express my gratitude towards my friends, Mace, Ryan, and Zach, for the individual and collective material that you produce almost every day in covering our beloved orange and blue clad team. I hope each of you know how appreciated you are and that you, and that you enjoy some time with those that you love today, whether that be in person or virtually. What is one thing that the Broncos and their fans should be grateful for today? What is one thing that you each are grateful for? Have a terrific Thanksgiving. DNVR fam, DNVR me salute. Oh, man, the other Ryan. That is, that is so cool. And I'm so thankful for you guys. Like I texted both of you yesterday, so thankful for both of you. And also so thankful for everyone that rolls with us. Even if you don't comment, still very, very thankful for you. And if you do comment, we just love hearing from you guys. So uh, you know, that's one thing I'm thankful for. An another thing outside of this community that I'm thankful for is certainly uh, the, the first responders and, uh, and, and everyone that's really been, been put on a grind this year, helping with COVID and everything. When everyone's been told to stay home, uh, all of the essential workers have been the ones that have to go out and, and help protect us. So very thankful for them. Yeah, I'm thankful for the first responders. I'm also thankful for the the vast majority of people who are trying to do the right thing in terms of following COVID precautions. I mean, we, we see thing, vi viral videos of people that are you know, basically uh, being foolish, but I know that the overwhelming majority of people 
are trying to do the right things. They're trying, they're, they're making sure they mask up. They may, you know, taking precautions, uh, having socially distanced Thanksgivings and things like that. So, so it's kind of a, you know, it's a thank you to, to, to everybody, to almost everybody out there who is, uh, uh, doing, doing their part to deal with this, with this crisis. And, uh, the other thing I'll say is what should the Broncos and their fans be grateful for today? I think Broncos fans should be grateful. They're not fans of the Detroit lions. It hit me watching that game yesterday that, you know, if you're a Lions fan, you've got a, a nation of football enthusiasts that is screaming about having to watch this turkey of a team every year on Thanksgiving, get a home game. Uh, literally, the Lions have one playoff win in the last 62 years. Think about that. Holy grateful that you are smokes. not a Detroit Lions fan. You've seen some great players, but you've seen team incompetence. You've seen, and a lot of years, the team being just good enough to kind of let you down, you see them fire the most successful coach that they've had in the last 60 years and replace them with Matt Patricia. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. If I, were, if I were a Lions fan, I think I would have stopped being a football fan at some point. <laughs> Oh, at least you have Michigan football. Oh, wait. Oh, um, oh. well, some of them are Michigan State fans, and, uh, you know, heck with that. Yeah. Heck with them. Yeah. Michigan State yeah, basketball yeah, Ryan, is Ryan fine. Michigan State way. football is not. Uh, for me, you know, you guys touched on some great, you know, uh, macro view things. For me, I'm extremely grateful for uh, all of the DNVR community and the support that they've showed us in this year, which is a year for all businesses. Uh, obviously, you know, that we opened the DNVR bar and then we got uh, hit with the shutdown. And, uh, you know, it, it would have been a, a really dark time for our company if it weren't for our incredible community of supporters. So many of you have ordered a shirt or a mask and, and, you know, made a comment, Hey, just want to support local, or you, maybe you ordered some takeout food from the DNVR bar this last weekend, or just so many people have made a point to support us and show that they care uh, and show that, you know, we're one of the small businesses that they don't want to see struggle. So uh, for everyone listening who has been a part of that, and even just listening to this podcast is, is supporting us as well. Uh, we, we can't thank you all enough. Yeah. So great comment there. The other Ryan, thankful, thankful for all of you. All right, from Onion Town Links, my guy dudes, what's good? First of all, I'd like to say happy Thanksgiving. Now, for football, I'm not impressed with Shermer. Good flashes of ability don't make a coach, don't make the coach, and this just hasn't been it. There's still no screen game, no use of the best playmakers on the field at once, and I imagine it like this. Andy Reid would have Drew Locke under center, Melvin Gordon lined up behind him, Philip Lindsay and K.J. Hamler in opposite slot positions with Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy on the outside. The ball snaps, Drew Locke comes back to hand the ball, off while Lindsay is racing back behind Gordon where he gets the ball and has the option to throw if there's a man open. But since he's a running back, he could easily get 15 yards of it. There are more plays to use the formation on, but do you see Shermer doing anything like that? I don't. He's not the OC. He never has been. Uh, we can't cheer anyone on for doing their job. And even Brandon Allen has had a quote-unquote magnificent game. <sighs> no Shermer can't rock. That's it. Also, Skangs wasn't it either. Go Broncos. All that jazz. Links. <laughs> yeah that's a very uh thankful message i guess not not really a very thankful message although would andy reed have drew lock under center at all rarely i'm sure yeah because I'm, I'm looking at the chiefs and uh they're a 77 percent shotgun team yeah so I, I would actually think that if andy reed were coaching drew lock it would look a lot it would look a lot like uh mizzou 2017 
uh, with Josh Heupel as the OC and Drew just slinging it around. For sure. Um, it, it would be interesting. I guarantee Drew would be hitting a lot more wide open receivers. That's one thing I know for sure. From Bronk Oilers. Hey, guys. I've really been left to wonder why Pat Shermer was the pick to be the new OC. I understand that coming out of college, the idea was that Locke was a spread quarterback who would thrive in a college-type offense. But after last season, it was very clear that at this point, he's best playing in a run-slash-play-action-oriented offense that capitalized on his physical skills by allowing him to run bootlegs, design rollouts, and take deep shots off play-action with his massive arm. Shouldn't we be asking Drew Locke to be Jared Goff or Jimmy Garoppolo, not Pat Mahomes or Drew Brees? With that... What made Fangio think Shermer was the right fit for Locke? Yes, I understand that he's a veteran coach, but the Shermer hire, hire feels as though he was picked based on Drew's college tape and not based on the evaluation of his rookie season. Even if Fangio did want to change coordinators, why not bring in someone who runs the McVay-Shanahan-LaFleur-style offense? It's become very clear that's the style of football that suits our quarterback, complements our defense, and frankly has been the offensive identity of this franchise since the 1990s. The more and more I think about it, the more I wonder if the Shermer hire has less to do with Locke and more to do with a falling out or issue between Scangarello and Fangio and Fangio opting to replace him with someone more his speed, regardless of the scheme fit. And before we get into that, I'm thinking, my gosh, about 14, 13, 14 months ago, weren't we having all these conversations about how the Broncos offense was kind of behind the times and now people want to go back to, to that style. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, really funny how, uh, you know, I understand people are, are upset with Pat Shermer this year, but it's really funny just how, how, green the grass is on the other side because uh, people were not happy with Scangarello last year. Although I will say most people were a lot happier with Scangarello after they saw what he did with Drew Locke. It was just the Scangarello Flacco fit that was brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, and one thing that people didn't like about Skang, Skangarello with Drew was in the second half, they kind of became a little more vanilla and holding Drew back and, and people didn't like that. But you know what, it was part it now it looks like it was just part of the uh, development process with Drew. Yeah, it's a it's definitely, a, you know, don't know what you got till it's gone type of situation to answer the main question here is why was he the choice? I just really think they thought that's what the fit for Drew Locke was. They're like, wow, if Drew Locke's this good in this offense, what if we move him into a more spread type offense like what he's used to? Uh, and they missed on that. Like we saw very clearly last week, the, the best they've played in a while on offense, or at least the best Drew Locke has played in a while on offense, was a game in which they just uh, you know, went, went back to a lot of the concepts that he was running last year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Next one from Bangkok Bronco. Hey, gents, I'm not from the U.S., but I wanted to wish you and everyone in the community a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. I'm feeling particularly thankful right now because as you guys do on this pod, I will be be in the skies going back to my real home in Thailand. And for much time, for the much time since March, I'll be able to see my girlfriend, my friends, and all the students I have the pleasure of teaching. Got to go through a couple weeks in quarantine first, but there is so much DNVR content to keep me going in that time. So happy to hear that, Bangkok Bronco. Switching to Broncos, I have a question about our defensive approach to a Taysom Hill-led Saints team. What advantage do we have? Having known for an entire week he's their starter, we will face him, as opposed to if we had to play the Saints last week and found out the day before that we had to face him, just as the Falcons did. Hope that question makes sense, even though I haven't phrased it brilliantly. Hopefully you guys understand what I'm getting at. Thanks again to you three and everyone associated with DNVR. Have a great weekend. Double B out. 
it's a huge advantage that the Broncos saw how um, Sean Payton wants to approach an offense that is led by Taysom Hill. Uh, and so they are going to have uh, a lot better idea of what they need to do on defense to stop them uh, than, than they did last week against Taysom Hill. So uh, it's a big advantage, and Vic Fangio is certainly the right guy for the job when it comes to knowing uh, what, what move to make there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's a big advantage uh, because now you only have to prepare for one guy, and now you get to see exactly what Sean Payton has in mind for Taysom Hill. Vic Fangio says, my 58-yard field goal, the Broncos' defense goes back-to-back weeks getting the starting QB benched for the opponent. <laughs> I would be interested to see that. I would be interested to see how, what it would take for Sean Payton to say, all right, screw this, I'm going to Jameis. What's crazy is, is Vic Fangio earlier this week said that if Taysom Hill plays the way he did last week, he'll be the third-best quarterback in Saints history. So I, I think Sean Payton's going to roll with uh, Taysom Hill pretty much as long as possible. Although I really do like that 58 yard field. Goal. I just think it's more of like a 68 yard field goal. Although I heard that and I'm thinking, wow. I mean, cause he named of course, Drew Brees and Archie Manning. Vic must really not like Bobby a bear. A bear was the quarterback in new Orleans for most of his time on the staff. They had some pretty good years, but man, uh, no love for the Cajun cannon? Come on. Yeah, our, the absolute disrespect for Aaron Brooks. <laughs> I was a big Aaron Brooks guy. Oh. I, had, oh, I, guys. I, I had such high hopes for Aaron Brooks after that 2000 season. I, yep. I really thought he was going to be something special after that. Boy, was I wrong. Me too. I really liked him. Guys, my 58-yard field goal, and I can't believe this is a 58-yard field goal, but it is. I'm going to say Noah Fant tops 60 yards this game. It'll only be the second time that he's done that this season. Of course, the first time in week one when he had 81 yards. And I don't think this is a, a, a negative against Noah himself. It's just that either Drew hasn't been finding him, the offense hasn't been schemed to find him, but I say that this week going up against Marshawn Lattimore, who's going to be covering Jerry Judy if he plays, and, and the guys on the outside, I'm going to say that the Broncos have to look Noah Fant's way, and he tops 60 receiving yards. Love it. All right. Mine is going to be this. The Broncos will force two Taysom Hill fumbles in this game. Bumbles. Wow, that is that's 70-yard field goal. <laughs> yeah, you guys are going back. Well, Taysom Hill, guys, has five fumbles so far this season. And wow, that's more than Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Last last week he had one fumble against San Francisco. He had two. Now he they the, he only lost two of those three fumbles. So I'm not saying the fumbles become takeaways, but I am mm-hmm. saying the Broncos put the ball on the ground from Taysom Hill twice in this game. All right. Wow. And the final one here is another 58-yard field goal from Screw This, who says, my 58-yard field goal, which is more than like a 64-yard field goal, is that Lindsey rushes for over 100 yards, breaking the Saints streak. Ooh. You know, this isn't as crazy as it sounds, in my opinion, because Phil's always one carry away from being able to do something like this. You know, all it takes is a 58-yard <laughs> run. Uh, for him to be, uh, you know, easily on pace to hit that. So, uh, you know, maybe he has, a, you know, 
30, 40 yards uh, going into the third quarter, then he breaks a big one. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think it's that crazy. Screw this. I don't think it's that crazy. Oh, and we have one getting in just under the wire from Butch Cassidy who says he's kicking hard from the left hash on his 58-yard field goal. Drew will have two rushing <laughs> touchdowns bet on it. That is – 85-yard field goal. Guys, what if we put all of these 58-yard field goals together on a parlay, I mean, you bet $1 and you are rich after this. Millionaire. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're taking a few years off. <laughs> well, we might not be able to help you get a million dollars, but we can help you have a million-dollar smile when you go to Green Mountain Dental Group and get a, a x-ray cleaning and exam and get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Get yourself looking crispy with uh, a cleaning from Green Mountain Dental. Whatever dental work you need, head down to Green Mountain Dental Group, the best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. But for today, on this Friday, that's going to wrap it up for us. We will talk to you guys after the game.